Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I am your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. What up, y'all? Thanks for joining me on Catholics with Bibles. Once again, I'm your host, Chase Krauss, and it's a super gloomy, kind of cold day here in Austin, Texas, because, you know, we can't have summer forever. Uh, and that's a thing. Um, but anyway, I hope wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're driving in a car, maybe you're chilling at home, maybe you're doing, taking your lunch break. I hope that you are enjoying it. hope you've been liking the podcast uh, so far. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, usually we start off by having a Greek word of the day, and then we dive into whatever topic or scripture verses that we're going to be talking about uh, that day. And so today we're going to start with the Greek word of the day before getting into what we're going to talk about. So the Greek word of the day is pontus. So pontus is uh, translated all. So it's a super important word. It's going to come up a lot uh, throughout the entire New Testament and probably the Septuagint as well, uh, which is the Greek Old Testament. Not going to lie. I don't own the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, because the book is ginormous. Think of how big the Old Testament is and then imagine doubling it because half of it would be in Greek and half in English. I could, I guess it could be super virtuous and have it all in Greek, but I definitely need the English on the other side of the page to back me up to make sure I'm not mistranslating stuff when I read it in Greek. Um, so Pontus is Greek word of the day and uh, really exciting. We're actually going to start a Bible study today on the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. And so I'm really, really excited about this Bible study. I This is Man, I think this is arguably my favorite letter of St. Paul's. Uh, Romans is up there as well. And uh, I thought about doing Romans, but quite frankly, it's it's 16 chapters. And um, it's just going to, it would just, man, you need a course on Romans. Um, we've talked about Romans a few times. Um, I've, I did an introduction to, to the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. I uh, recommended Scott Hahn's book on the letter of the Romans. I mean, definitely buy his book. Uh, it's a great uh, starter, great uh, entry point into the letter uh, to, to the Romans. And I'll, I'll probably do, you know, little glimpses and snapshots of Romans as we go on. Uh, but I, I, Galatians, it's it's short and sweet, but like, I mean, so powerful, so beautiful. Um, and it is, I think, is my favorite letter of St. Paul. And so this letter is kind of the... Uh, one of the most controversial letters, though, of St. Paul that we have in the New Testament, in the, in the corpus, uh, in the canon of the New Testament. And part of that is because this was Luther, Martin Luther's favorite book. This was his favorite letter. Uh, Martin Luther was quoted uh, calling this letter uh, his, like, his bride, basically. He called the letter his wife, by his wife's first name uh, because he just really liked this letter. And uh, part of that is because this letter is where he, quote-unquote, got his proof that's the quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes, but that's the proof of um, justification uh, apart from uh, works righteousness or works of the law. So we are going to talk about that in the letter because uh, it's a very, very important issue. And I will hopefully demonstrate why um, Luther's logic just don't make sense. Um, and this isn't something that I'm saying just as a as a Catholic, um, even though I'm a Catholic. You're listening to Catholics with the Bibles if you didn't know. But um, even a lot of a lot of recent scholarship is is starting to really come out. Uh, apart from just Catholic scholars, um, even atheistic scholars and Protestant scholars are starting to really kind of see the flaw of Luther's logic. 
and especially in the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians, and they're starting to, to pick it apart. Uh, one of the things that we have is it's called uh, the old perspective on Paul and the new perspective on Paul. This is something that if you listen to uh, my interview with Dr. John Kincaid a few weeks back, uh, he uh, if he had to pick one of those, he's technically new perspective on Paul, which is funny because he's actually just the, the super old perspective, which is like the perspective of the church fathers. Um, but uh, the old perspective on Paul uh, within academia, right, uh, is uh, Luther, Calvin. It's kind of this main mainline Protestant interpretation of, of St. Paul. That's called the old perspective. And as Catholics, we kind of find that ironic. But anyway, it's called the old perspective. And then the new perspective is uh, there's a lot of scholars, uh, Dr. John Kincaid being one of them. And uh, the guy I'm actually going to use, his name's Michael Gorman. So Michael Gorman has written a ton of books. All his stuff is gold. Um, he is not a Catholic uh, scholar, but he teaches at a Catholic seminary. I think he's Methodist. Dr. John Kincaid and I, I mentioned him. Uh, so the, the book I'm referencing, uh, he has a fantastic book called Apostle of the Crucified Lord. So I pull a lot from his work in that book. It's a big book, but it's a fantastic book. I'll put the link in the show notes here because it's just, it's just lights out amazing, y'all. But anyway, he is not Catholic. Like I said, he's Methodist, uh, but he's definitely new perspective on Paul. And, you know, I agree with basically 95%, 97% of what he has to say and kind of where he takes his translations. Because honestly, he, he just lets the text... Uh, take it to where, to to where it goes. Right, he 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 does a really good job not reading Luther or Calvin into the text, and he just he takes Saint Paul at face value with all of his work, not just looking at one letter, but looking at all of his letters and looking at all his letters in light of the New Testament and the Old Testament and the canon of Scripture. It's canonical criticism and the uh, looking at it within the canon of uh, all of Scripture and the New Testament in particular. So. Looking at the letter of Galatians. So today we're just going to do a brief introduction. If you were, you were with me when we did uh, the first and second Thessalonians, you know, the first episode is really just a brief introduction into the letter and some background because it's really important to remember that every letter of St. Paul was written to specific people at specific times for particular situations, right? Oh, the, the, the error that a lot of people make is they just kind of, they, they dive into a letter to pray through it without really knowing what the heck he's talking about or why he's writing the letter. And, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of places in St. Paul where that, that can be fruitful and where that's really beautiful. And there, I think there's plenty of places in all of his letters where you can just take a quote out of context and see the beauty of it. And I think the spirit can definitely uh, speak to us through it. But at the same time, it, 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 uh, it's an injustice to St. Paul and it's injustice to ourselves to dive into a letter without knowing its broader context. So that way we can get uh, the references and why he's, why St. Paul brings up certain things. And also just to know what the heck he's talking about. Cause a lot of times if you just dive in without knowing anything, you're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're saying. Um, and so briefly, so letter of the Galatians. So Galatia, we have to figure out first of all, where the heck Galatia is. So Galatia is, it would be like modern day Turkey. So it's Asia Minor. And so this is a, it was a Roman province, right? So it's a Roman province. It didn't take up all of Asia Minor, but it, it was a big chunk of Central Asia Minor. There was a lot of towns uh, that St. Paul visited. We, we read about this in Acts. We'll get to that in a little bit uh, within Galatia. So it's a province. So you got to think of Galatia kind of as, yeah, as a province or a state, uh, not, not a country. It was, it was part of the Roman Empire, 
it was an official Roman province, right? So it wasn't a colony. It was a Roman province. So they had uh, Roman citizens that lived there, right? So they had, yeah, like the Thessalonians, um, they, was, was, they were part of the emperor, emperor, empire for long enough to uh, make it an official Roman province. So we think of this as like, you know, Texas in, in consideration to America. If you're a Canadian listener, then like Alberta, if you're a listener in France or Australia or wherever else you're listening from, I don't know your provinces or states, but I'm sure you have them. And so just, just we have to remember, he's not writing to a country, he's writing to a province, which also means that there are several different cities that he could have been writing to in general. And so there was, there's a, we read in the book of Acts, Acts 13, 14, and then Acts 15, uh, that there are several different cities within Galatia that Paul visited. And so there's, there's is debate out there whether or not he was writing to northern Galatia or southern Galatia. Uh, you know, there's, there's some merit to wanting to know those things. But at, at the end of the day, I don't think it really affects how you read this letter. Uh, just know he was writing to the province of Galatia. So what happened most likely was that he... Um, spoke this letter because remember he, uh, he probably didn't like physically write these letters um, he had a scribe so he spoke the letter and then usually he would sign at the very end or something like that and so he would speak the letter and then copies would have been made and been sent out to the churches of Galatia so this is a very I mean it's a beautiful letter there's there's very few other letters of St. Paul there as passionate and almost angry at times. So we're going to have a very intense Paul here, but at the same time, he's also very gentle and pastoral at times as well. Um, and so we have to know, okay, so we now know where this province is. It's in Asia Minor. It's Central Asia Minor. It's a province, right? It's not just one city uh, like Ephesus is or Rome, right? It's a province. And he, we know he visited Galatia, right? So if you if you ever read the book of Acts, if you've never read the book of Acts, you should read the book of Acts. We get a lot of New Testament background, especially for St. Paul, from that book that St. Luke wrote. And so he visited Galatia a few times, at least what's recorded in Acts. So his first journey, we read about in Acts 13 and 14. This was probably around 48 or 49 AD, give or take. And so he founded some communities. He got persecuted because that's kind of what happens to St. Paul. And then he comes back to Jerusalem. And then his second journey, probably around 49 or 50 AD, so a year or two later, we read about in Acts 15. And so this second journey, he first gets the blessing from Jerusalem. So he gets St. Peter, St. James, St. John's blessing to make this second journey because there was a group of Christian Jews called the Circumcision Party that St. Paul claimed were uh, ruining his gospel, right? So it was a, it was a party, it was a group, uh, it was a sect within the Christian, small Christian community that believed that in order to be a Christian, you also had to live out the entirety of the Jewish law. That includes circumcision, dietary restrictions, uh, the calendar, all the ceremonial law. So to be a Christian, you had to do everything. And so these, these people believed in Jesus. They believed Jesus was the Messiah who was raised from the dead. They just also believed that you had to still be a, a full Jew, right? You had to live out your, your Jewishness to the best of your ability while also believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so Paul had a real big beef with these guys, right? St. Paul was not a fan. He claimed that, the, you know, they're, they're traitors, they're 
There are people who uh, intrude on his gospel message, on the true authentic gospel message of Jesus Christ crucified. And so the issue, the central issue within this letter that we're going to see is the issue of whether or not circumcision is necessary to be a disciple of Christ. Is, is circumcision necessary to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be part of the mystical body of Christ? So this is the reason St. Paul is writing this letter. And if we don't know that, we're, we, you really just miss the point of the letter completely. So St. Paul is addressing this key central issue of circumcision. And circumcision can also be uh, equated to like just... Uh, works of the law in general, like I said, uh, dietary restrictions, calendar, uh, and yeah, obviously circumcision. And so this was a big deal because, you know, this this has to be an ans- a question that is answered for the Gentiles that Paul was trying to convert. Why? Well, you know, could you imagine being a grown man and somebody coming to you and say, hey, there's this guy, Jesus, he is truly God, truly man. He rose from the dead. He came to forgive us your sins. And, and you have life in him. Just get baptized. And you're like, wow, that sounds really, really great. Sounds better than all these other pagan mumbo jumbos that they want us to believe and like this virtuous, awesome life. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. Awesome. So get baptized. But also, hey, heads up, you got to be circumcised. And then as a Gentile man, you're just like, hold on a second. That sounds a lot more intense than just getting dunked in the river or like with water and like all these things. And so this, this was a really, this was an important issue, right? This wasn't like a subtle thing. This wasn't a, uh, a question that could be ignored. Why? Because Gentile souls were at stake. So St. Paul, most of his converts in Galatia were Gentiles. They were not Jews. So St. Paul's entire work in Galatia was at, at stake here. Right, because if the circumcision party has their way, St. Paul knows he's going to lose people. There's going to be, I mean, a giant swath of, of the Gentile converts that are just going to renounce the faith and go back to their, their Gentile ways. Why? Because they're not going to let anybody take some scissors to their private parts and circumcise them as a grown man. That's just not going to happen. And so this is an important issue, right? This is the central issue, which is why St. Paul, we're going to find he's angry, he's passionate. He is going to be uh, almost aggressive in this letter because it's such an important issue and and St. Paul knows that there's souls on the line. And so we're going to just briefly, we're going to look at the introduction today, which is Galatians 1 verses 1 through 4. And so, uh, sorry, 1 through 5. Um, Verse 5 is just like half a sentence. But anyway, um, so we're going to dive in here. And uh, so we're going to be diving in. And in case you haven't realized this yet, my Bible is probably different than the Bibles that you're probably using. Most Catholics use the RSV or NRSV, which are fantastic Bibles. I really enjoy. I own an RSV and an NRSV. They're really great. Just my personal New Testament Bible is an ESV. So it's an English Standard Version. Why? It's because it's a Greek-English Bible. So that's how I can look from the Greek to the English and, and kind of see what the literal translations are. Um, is I, I like it because it's a bit more wooden. It's a bit more literal. There are definitely times in the ESV where, like, if you just had the English, there's a there's a Protestant kind of, like, slant to it where the Greek isn't really, doesn't really say that. I can see that, but it's not really in the English. So... I would never recommend to a Catholic necessarily to get the ESV New Testament, even though I think the Augustine Institute just launched an ESV. Um, so that's probably super solid and I haven't checked it out yet, so I can't vouch for it, but I probably would 
that would probably be my jam. Um, but anyway, if you have that, let me know and let me know if it's good. Um, but anyway, our NRSV, RSV is really good, but my translation might just, it might just read a little bit different than yours and that's okay. Uh, if you have the NAB Bible, stop using that and get an RSV or NRSV. The NAB Bible is, it's just not a good translation and I'm sorry to whoever translated it, but I think it's well known at this point that it's not a good translation. So get yourself an NRSV or RSV Bible, Ignatius, Ignatius uh, Bible is a great one. Pick it up. All right. With all that said, we'll dive into Galatians 1. We read, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all, it's that Greek word, Pontus, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. So there is so much jam-packed into these five verses. Um, and so let's just, we're going to start from the top, verse 1. And so St. Paul actually makes a chiasm here. So we don't really see this as much in English, like modern uh, literature, even though there, there's the idea of like bookends. So if you've ever seen like a, a movie where at the very, very end, they make, they make a reference or something like that. That was at the very, very, very beginning. It's called a bookend, right? It's a bookend effect. Kind of it, it brings the movie or the story to like a nice whole conclusion because it, it bookended, right? So the, what, what, it, what was seemed to be not as big of a deal early on, but it was just shown, you find out at the end of the movie that it's like, holy crap, that was a huge deal. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, so this is called a chiasm. So there's a structure to it. So it's an A, B, B, A chiasm. And so we read, it's Paul, an apostle, not from men, so that's A, nor through men, that's B, but through Jesus Christ, that's B prime, and God the Father, that's, sorry, that's B. So, right, sorry, first one was B, second one was B prime. So it's a chiasm, right? So it makes like an X, so the Greek letter he in Greek, it's, it looks like RX, right? Um, it's the first letter of Christ's name, uh, Christos. And so it's a chiasm, so it, if you... It's hard to visualize this because you're not looking at me, but if you make an X, right, cut the X in half long ways. Um, and then, so it forms like a, an arrow, side, sideways arrow. So the first A would be like the far left, top left-hand corner, which is not from men. And then A prime is nor through man. And then B is right under that. So in the middle of the X still, but through Jesus Christ. And then B prime, which is the bottom left corner uh, and God the Father. So why did I just zoom in on this chiasm, right? Uh, because Paul, very first sentence, is asserting his authority. Because we have to remember, he is writing to a region that has been infiltrated by his like enemy, basically, right? The, the circumcision party. So the circumcision party spent their time talking crap about St. Paul, basically, right? They spent their time disavowing St. Paul's teaching, saying, no, that's not the true gospel message. No, he was not sent from God. No, he, has, he does not have the authority of the apostles. He wasn't one of the 12. And so the circumcision party spent a lot of their time bashing St. Paul, talking, uh, tearing him down to his churches that he founded. And so from the get-go, he has to remind these churches, the people reading these letters, that Paul, an apostle, right? He is an apostle. 
sent by Jesus Christ, but not, not from men nor through man. So once again, my, his authority, he's saying his authority, his apostleship was not instituted by a man or men in general, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, right? So he is an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father. That is where his apostleship comes from. So he is asserting his authority, very first sentence, so that way everyone who hears these letters read in their churches know from the get-go, St. Paul is big dog, right? He is the apostle. He is the guy, right, that encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and who truly knows him as, as, as the crucified, risen Lord. And so why is this a big deal? Because God the Father, who circumcision party, all the Jews, Gentiles, they believed in God, right? God the Father. Um, and his authority, Jesus Christ's authority, comes from God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then check this out, verse two, it says, and all the brothers who are with me, right? And that's Pontus, it's all. So Paul, an apostle, through Jesus Christ and God the Father, because God the Father raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and all the, all the brothers who are with me, right? So Paul's not just writing from the Galatian, to the Galatians on his own authority or the authority of man. He's writing them with the authority of an apostle sent by Christ, but also with the authority of all disciples. That's what he's saying, all the brothers who are with him, everyone with him, right? Because remember, before his second journey to Galatia, he got the blessing and approval from St. Peter, St. James, St. John, the, the, the bishops of Jerusalem, to go and renounce the circumcision party. Because the Council of Jerusalem, St. Peter, St. James, and St. John declared that no circumcision was not necessary for Gentile converts. And so with that authority, with that blessing, St. Paul rolled up his sleeves and said, all right, now let's get to work, right? So he, he's coming with all guns ablazing in the very first two verses here. It'd be like us saying, you know, it'd be like the Pope saying, you know, writing to a church that is... Um, or let's say it's a, probably like a cardinal writing to a church that's uh, preaching heresy or preaching something that's not right. The cardinal calling him on the phone, be like, hey, what's up? I'm a cardinal, which means I am a descendant and apostle of the apostles writing to you on behalf of Pope Francis, who is appointed as a successor of Peter on behalf of Jesus Christ, right? So like the full weight of the church coming down on that, this metaphorical, this theoretical uh, parish. And St. Paul doing the same thing. His full authority coming from the apostles, coming from Jesus Christ with God the Father and to these people that is reading this letter, right? And we read that that's to all, to the churches, it's plural churches in, uh, of Galatia, right? So like I said, there's multiple churches, multiple cities in this province of Galatia. So there's probably copies of this letter that were made and sent to multiple churches. So St. Paul is not messing around with this letter. So we continue. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to see this a lot. He's going to say God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ through God the Father. Jesus Christ and God the Father. Because Paul's gospel is Christocentric. It's the message of the Son of God who became man and was crucified, died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. This is the gospel message. So St. Paul is going to always talk about Jesus and God the Father, Jesus and God the Father, Jesus and God the Father. 
it's this Christ, Christocentric gospel message. And then verse four, we get into an overview, basically, of what this letter is going to talk about. So verse four, we have three points. One, who gave himself for our sins, right? So that's the first thing he's going to talk about. Second point, to deliver us from the present evil age. So that's, that's point number two. And then the third is according to three, the will of God, the father. So this is actually the, the breakdown of the letter to the Galatians. So we're going to find this first point is going to be covered. So who gave himself for our sins in, in chapters one and two, right? So we're going to, that's going to be the first thing we're going to look at. And then the second point to deliver us from the present age. So that's freedom. This promise of this, this promise of freedom is actually going to come at the end of the letter. It's going to be five, chapters five and six. And then uh, point three, according to the will of God, the father, he's going to talk about that in, in verse uh, three and four, and sorry, chapters three and four. So it's not in like perfect order, but that is what he's going to talk about. So it's, it's like any good paper, you know, you say what you're going to, you're going to, you tell them what you're going to tell them, you tell them what you told them you're going to tell them, and then you remind them of what you just told them at the end, right? And so this is what Paul's doing. He's giving us a preview. He's going to talk about Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, who delivered us from the present age, and, the, and according to the will of God the Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is the setting now. This is the groundwork for the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. So we're going to be spending the next few weeks diving into Galatians. We're, we're not going to be able to go through it with a fine-tooth comb just because, I mean, there's libraries full of book on the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Uh, but we'll be going through every chapter and uh, talking about it a little at a time. It's always going to be, these podcasts are always around 20 to 30 minutes, give or take, because it's, I wanted to make a podcast where it's easy to, for you to listen to it on a car ride or maybe during your lunch break where we can be a little bit more academic than maybe a lot of podcasts out there, but at the same time not be so academic to where it's really hard to listen to for like over 30 minutes because your brain turns to mush after a while. So anyway, we'll be diving into the rest of chapter one next week on Catholics with Bibles. We also will be having some guests on the show throughout this Bible study. So there'll be a few weeks where we'll kind of like take a quick pause in the Bible study, have a guest on the show, and then dive back into the Bible study as we continue. But anyway, thanks again for joining us with Catholics with Bibles. Bibles. My name is Chase Krauss, and I'll see you next time, y'all. God bless. Thank you again for joining me with Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase Krauss. Remember to like and subscribe or leave a review if you haven't. It helps people find us faster when they Google Catholics with Bibles because if right now if you Google Catholics with Bibles, it's not the first thing that's going to pop up because there's a lot of stuff out there about Catholics and Bibles. So anyway, leave us a review, share, us, share our message, share our podcast with your friends and family, and we'll see you next time on Catholics with Bibles. God bless.